Welcome back from lunch. Um, can I just see hands of people um, that have been uh, practicing meditation for less than a year? Okay. Um, <clears throat> and uh, can I see people who've been practicing for well, one to three years? And what about three to five years? And what about five to ten years? How about ten to fifteen? How about fifteen to twenty? Twenty-five? <laughs> Thirty? <laughs> so as you can see, we have a full range. <laughs> Welcome to the world. We have a full range. <laughs> so, um, often what happens when I teach is I start from the assumption that there's uh, not much experience for those of us who, for whom that's a useful assumption. <laughs> and for people for whom they're long-standing practitioners, it's actually helpful just to empty out and, and start fresh. And so it's not as if we can negate, you know, 30 years of process experience, but sometimes, you know, it's, it's interesting how all kinds of identities and beliefs and things build up, and some of them aren't very helpful. So, you know, occasionally it's just useful just to see if it's possible to empty them out and start as if we are brand new. So the theme of this uh, time together these few days is the Brahma Viharas and the Brahma Brahma Vihara is uh, meaning the divine abodes so the the four divine abodes in the meditation practice in the the monastery (coughs) one of the things that we reflect on in the morning and the evening chanting is, is that when we practice meditation we wish we hope it cultivates the threefold bliss and people think, what on earth is that? You know, the threefold bliss. Well, the, the first bliss is the bliss of having sufficient concentration to be able to enjoy the senses. So when our minds are completely consumed and distracted, it's like even something that's lovely and beautiful, we can't, we can't notice it. We don't see it. You know, so here we are in a, in a pristine environment. It's a sacred place. And we're on sacred land. And you go out and you see these mountains that have just been um, sprinkled with snow. And the, the feeling of, of um, the expansiveness, the beauty, it's, it's, uh, it's breathtaking. And yet when our minds are so caught up with, um, preoccupied with thoughts about things in the past or worried about things in the future or conversations that we need to have or what we're going to do with our grades or what's going to happen with our health we'd miss it you know so the beauty of simple things like just the simplicity of nature we don't we don't catch it or we're so rushed you know it's like you know i got to get somewhere i can't stop and take a moment and just you know feel the magnificence of being in a place that's as beautiful as this so one thing that happens with practice is, is that one's capacity to appreciate the senses increases. 
And that is a bliss, you know, a happiness. The second happiness is the happiness from being able to practice the Brahma Viharas, the divine abodes. And the four divine abodes are metta, loving kindness, compassion, sympathetic joy, and equanimity. And classically they're taught in that order because it starts with ostensibly what is easier to do, though I don't know for many people for whom loving kindness is easy to do. And it brings us to the end of the where equanimity is the fruition of the path. And then the third fold bliss is the bliss of resting the attention in the unconditioned or nibbana, that which is not dependent on things being any particular way. And so these three things are what one uh, can hope to experience or is the result of practice or is the fruition of, of insight. So we're here um, with the theme of the Brahma-Viharas, the divine abodes. And so for this afternoon, I'd like to focus on, on loving-kindness as a theme. And I said at the beginning in the morning, you know, you start with loving-kindness, you end with loving-kindness. Loving-kindness is the path and it's the fruit. If we are able to manifest a, a genuine understanding of what loving-kindness is, it's not just... Um, a meditation practice that we do for a 45 minute period it's a way of being it's a whole way of responding to the world and so obviously there are ways that we can cultivate and there are meditation practices that we can do and they are useful but I found it very encouraging when somebody who I love and respect very deeply who is a profoundly realized practitioner said that loving-kindness and mindfulness were in fact the same thing. Because when the attention is resting and still and open, then naturally there is a gentle, non-judgmental, spacious allowing of everything that's present, which is exactly the same as what loving-kindness is. So, we can do loving-kindness meditation, and we will. But loving-kindness is not just a thing that we do, but it's something that we can rest into. It's a way of being. And over the decades now of practice for myself, you know, I have seen how this has become more and more the kind of um, signature for me of... Of, uh, of good practice. So, starting with loving-kindness meditation and just allowing the attention to settle of the body, just taking a time to do what you need to do so that your posture is, you can take the right seat Now, if you don't have enough height underneath your hips, you're going to be uh, struggling. So, 
um, you can fold the cushion upside down in half, so you've got twice as much underneath you. Or take a blanket or something. There you go. Yeah. When there's enough height, then it, it helps lift your hips up, it helps tilt them forward, and then naturally the back stays upright. Then otherwise, you're having to force your back up, holding using your shoulders, and it's not sustainable for very long. And again, uh, we're going to counteract the special design school of the chairs <laughs> and sit at the front edge of them just to maximize the possibility that we can have our backs upright. So starting with just body awareness, just allowing attention to rest in the body, feel the body grounded. And seeing the effect of having had lunch. You know, I, I eat two meals a day. And so the lunch meal is usually a big, and often after the lunch, I feel a little bit like a beached whale sometimes. And so I have to struggle with the feelings of what it feels like to be a beached whale and sit. So just allowing the body to come into the right posture. The right posture is not forced or strained, it's very relaxed and upright so the chest is open and the shoulders are that are lowered the spine is upright and there's the natural curves in the small of the back and the neck is extended just enough allowing the chin to tuck in a fraction. And so just re-establishing one's seat, feeling one's sit bones in contact with the cushion or on the chair. So we start with the body, start with where we're at. Breathing into a way where we're allowing the body to invigorate and renew with each in-breath. The whole body breathing in. And the whole body breathing out, relaxing, releasing, letting go.
Now, for many people, loving kindness is not a straightforward thing to do. How do you, how do you feel loving kindness if you don't really know what it feels like? And so, this is a common, a common uh, predicament that people in our culture experience: is we don't have memories or experiences or a sense of what does it feel like to feel supported in a way that's just unconditionally loving. So we can't generate something that we don't really know. So it can be helpful for people to start with an image of what represents unconditioned loving kindness. Some people come from a Catholic background and the image of the Virgin Mary, the Mother Mary, or Christ. For other people, there's a very strong affinity with the Buddhist tradition and the compassionate nature of the Buddha, or Kuan Yin, or Tara. For other, it's the deep pool and stillness of Sri Ramana Maharshi's eyes, or the presence of His Holiness the Dalai Lama, or the expansive presence of Ajahn Sumedho. could be a grandmother or one's own mother or father or grandfather and for some it's not even so much found in the human realm it's more found in nature a mountain a sacred waterfall a special relationship with an animal the sun that shines independent of whether or not anyone is worthy. Or the sea, vast, open. And so it really does not matter the image that comes to you. What tradition, whether it's human, archetypical, whether it's related to nature or animals, what is important is, is that for you this image represents an unconditioned loving. The loving is present and there's no conditions on it. And so bring this image to mind. And as the image of this person or the situation or object, animal comes to mind, Just begin to see or feel or sense how it feels like to be in the presence of this, which for you is unconditionally loving, accepting, allowing, holding, embracing, without the slightest trace of judgment. Feel what it feels like in your body, in your heart, in your muscles, to be in the presence of this loving field.
Now as you get a physical sensation or a sense of a color or a light. For some people they're more cognitive. There are certain thoughts associated with what unconditional love is like. So as this becomes more of a living experience, a real experience, then we can allow the image to fade. Begin to focus on the feeling. Now, each person has different accesses. Some are more kinesthetic. They feel things in their bodies. Those are more visual. They see things. They see colors. They see images. They see symbols. Some are more cognitive. Comes in the realm of thought or idea or concept. So there isn't a right way to be. There isn't a right access. But what's important is, is that in the meditations that I give, that you translate what I say into language that is appropriate for your own access. I'm a feeling person. I feel things. But if you're a visual person, translate into language that works for you. So we start with a feeling of kindness. A well-wishing, an interest. And allowing. And we bring it forward to ourselves. We direct it to ourselves. For me, I find it helpful to use the breath. Starting with my heart center, getting a feeling for what this unconditional loving feels like as a physical sensation, as an experience in the body. On the in-breath, I allow it to increase strength and in range. And on the out-breath, I allow it to spread from my heart center through the top part of my chest. And into my back. A warmth, a welcome, a feeling at home, a kindness, an interest, an allowing.
And I allow this feeling to spread from my chest and radiating up and out and down, filling up the torso. And moving into the whole of the pelvic girdle, the sacrum, the lower abdomen. The pelvic floor. Excretory and reproductive organs. A welcome warmth and interest and allowing. A kindness that's loving and has no conditions on it. Spreading into the limbs, the arms. shoulders and the elbows, the forearms and the wrists and the hands, and into the legs, the top of the legs, the thighs and the knees, down the calves and the shins to the ankles and the feet, and the top and the bottoms of the feet. So the whole trunk of the body is suffused with this field of loving kindness that's warm, kind, friendly, welcoming. And spreading into the neck. And into the jaw and the mouth, the cheeks, the eyes and the eye sockets, the forehead, the top of the head and the back of the head until the whole body is suffused in this field. And what does it feel like? as a physical embodied experience to allow this expression of loving kindness to radiate throughout one's whole body. How does the body respond? Now it's important when one's doing any kind of meditation, particularly working with the Brahma Viharas, that one doesn't use the loving kindness meditation to obliterate other feelings that are arising. 
For some, it's very challenging. There's a lot of resistance. There can be a lot of negativity. It can even be anger. And so we don't use the loving kindness in order to get rid of feelings. We use the loving kindness to welcome and embrace. Being attentive to whatever kind of reaction there may be. in the process. So allowing the body to feel suffused with this warmth, interest, attention that's kind and loving, that has no conditions on it, no strings attached, no goals connected to it. It just is. Then just allowing ourselves to let this field of loving-kindness move into our whole sphere of mind and emotions and feelings to include our perceptions and our thoughts and our memories, our hopes and our dreams, our secrets, the things we feel frightened of or ashamed of. our deepest aspirations. And so the field of loving kindness can embrace everything. There's nothing that is exempt. There's nothing that is left out. There's nothing that is not included in the field of loving kindness. There's nothing that's not welcome. Nothing that we have ever done or could ever do would exempt us from feeling, knowing, touching, experiencing loving-kindness and the effects of loving-kindness. So this is the end of the year, New Year's Eve. Sometimes it's useful to consider the events that have happened in a year and hold them in the field of loving kindness. Our thoughts, our memories, our perceptions, our feelings, our dreams, our hopes, our aspirations. 
with warmth, with welcome, with interest, with attention, with kindness. So as if we were suffused, immersed, awash, bathed, held. That permeates, illuminates. And loving kindness has a miraculous capacity. It opens what is cold and closed and hard. It warms what is frozen and cools what is burning, untangles what is knotted, and firms up what is unboundaried. It protects what's vulnerable. and gently exposes what is hidden. It's not through will and it's not through action. It is through the force of kindness and loving and being presence. So seeing oneself and feeling oneself in this way All of the cells in one's body, all of the organs in one's body, one's tears as well as one's blood, suffused in loving kindness. Now, classically, in doing a loving-kindness meditation retreat, one would stay with this practice until one really felt it, one felt suffused. Full. Brimming. And in your own practice, if you wish to continue with this, please stay with this aspect of the practice until you do feel full and brimming before you move on. So when there is sufficient saturation, fullness, 
experience with this, but one knows it as a tangible, embodied experience. Knows what it feels like to feel love. Kindness, warmth, welcome, being at home. Then one begins to allow this field to spread out and touch mentors or teachers. Include them. People that have been an inspiration and a guide have helped you in your growth. And as if they were in your heart, you see them filled and suffused with loving kindness, their bodies illuminated, immersed awash, and their hearts and minds as well. And from the mentors, we can share this field of loving kindness with our family and our friends, our community, the people we cherish. And seeing them individually and collectively also in our hearts in this field of loving kindness that is warm and welcoming and kind. Seeing their bodies suffused and illuminated, awash, immersed, and their hearts and minds touched and warmed and opened with this field of kindness that is loving and has no conditions in it, asks nothing.
and from the people that are our friends and families, the ones that we cherish in our community. We can extend this to the people that we don't know, we don't have an opinion about. There's no sense of liking or disliking. The gas station attendant, the person at the grocery shop, the people who write you business letters from the bank, the neighbors that you haven't met, the people in parts of the world you've never traveled to. Imagine these people as well, suffused and filled with this warmth and welcome, this interest kindness of loving that asks nothing and gives everything And sharing this field of loving kindness further and bringing to mind anybody for whom there may be unfinished business, a feeling of hurt or a feeling of having been harmed or betrayed. And again, while one is doing this, it's important not to superimpose this loving-kindness meditation in order to obliterate the other feelings you may experience. Whatever feelings are present are welcome. People for whom there's unfinished business, for whom there's injury or harm. We bring this field of loving kindness to them as well. They too have bodies and hearts and minds and suffer from cold and heat, have aspirations and sadness and sorrow. They too suffer and wish to be free from suffering.
bringing this field of loving kindness to this group of people the ones that have harmed us personally harmed our families our communities the ones that we see are harming the world or the planet This field of loving-kindness suffuses them in their bodies and hearts and minds, illuminates them, holds, immerses, embraces, and welcomes them, welcomes them home. Welcomes them into a direct experience of what kindness and loving is. A loving-kindness that warms the frozen places, untangles the tangled places, cools the burning places, soothes the raw places. It absorbs the moisture in the damp and soggy places. and moistens the hard and dried up places not through will, not through force, not through action but by the simple miracle of loving presence kindness without conditions without asking anything just giving and being and allowing. So having gone through the whole world system and its various components of people, we spend the last minute or two returning attention to our own body, heart and mind attentive to whatever feeling are present tenderness, the aching, the resistance, the fear the not wanting, the wanting the grief whatever is present is allowed and welcomed as we bring this force field of loving kindness back to our own heart center feel it once again in our own bodies
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.